Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, as we gather here this morning again, it is Confirmation Sunday, so it is a time for us to celebrate. And we have two uh, of our Holy Savior youth who are confirming the faith that God gave them first in their baptism. And as they've grown through this experience, some of you who are gathered here uh, to celebrate with them, members of the Holy Savior, extended family and friends, went through a similar journey. And, and that, that journey uh, of just learning and growing in Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus. So to do that, let's begin with a prayer. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this amazing day, Lord. This day is celebration. It is where we celebrate not only for Rusty and Sarah, but we also celebrate for our, our own faith, our own life journey with you. Bless us as we continue that faith journey, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So a question to get you going this morning. The question is this, what makes you, you? Ponder deeply now. What makes you, you? Well, as you think about that, you can shout some ideas out if you want. What makes you, you? I mean, you have a name, right? You hope so. Yeah, I mean, you have, yeah, if you don't have a name, that'd be kind of odd. Anyone not have a name, by the way? Okay, so everyone, everyone has a name, right? Jonathan, you have a name. <laughs> we all have a name. You, you have a name. How many of you have a family? I mean, you may not like your family a whole lot, but you have a family. How many of you, you know, grew up somewheres or are growing up somewheres? I'm still growing up. I was growing up in Arizona, you know, grew up in the desert. I'm still growing up here in Nebraska. What makes you you? And of course, if you're in Nebraska, more than likely, you're a Husker fan. Even when the football team has not done well for a number of years. But you can celebrate the fact that the volleyball team has been awesome. What makes you you? You know, our experiences in life, the little things, the big things, make us who we are. How we understand ourselves, our identity, what it means to be, well, us, what it means to be you, what it means to be me. We should think about that, what makes you you. Let's read this portion of the scripture reading from this morning, Mark 8, verses, Mark 8, verse 34. Let's read it together. Those who want to follow me must say no to the things they want, pick up their crosses, and follow me. Well, let's put this scripture, this, these words of Jesus into some context. This is a conversation Jesus had with his disciples and, and the others that were gathered around in the area of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, and imagine what it was like when the disciples were going to Caesarea Philippi with Jesus. And they kind of scratch on their heads like, why are we going to Caesarea Philippi? And they're like, I don't know. He takes us places that we normally wouldn't go, like Samaria. Maybe he wants to get away from the Galilee area because thousands of people always surround him and always want something from him. Maybe he just wants a little peace and quiet. Go somewhere where nobody knows you. Ever do that? Ever want to go somewhere where nobody knows you? So there they are, Caesarea Philippi, and they're going up towards those hills. And of course, in that, in that area there, there's a deep cavern. A deep cavern where there are some of the people in Caesarea Philippi believe that's where a god existed. And this was called the gates of hell. And this is where Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, he's asking them, you know, who do people say that I am? Almost like Jesus didn't know who he was. 
And they start saying, well, you know, uh, some say you're John the Baptist, you know, who, by the way, if you didn't know, by this point, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, had been beheaded, so he was dead. Some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets from long ago, or one of the other prophets, maybe. And so they're, they're identifying Jesus with someone who came and, and spoke with God's authority, who spoke with um, prophetic words. You know, we just wrapped up a series in October, earlier this month, on the minor prophets. You know, the prophets are the ones who speak God's law, calling God's people to repentance, to turn their lives around, and reminding and reassuring the people of God's love. And as they're kind of throwing out these ideas of who others say Jesus is, Jesus asked the question again, but this time more pointed. Who do you say that I am? You know, and I don't know exactly what the conversation was like. I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, if it was kind of like in a classroom, you know, when the teacher asked a question and everybody kind of was like, and nobody wants to answer, even if you know the, the right answer. You know, and, and then there's Peter. You know, whether Peter is just the guy that always wants to answer the questions, if you're like that in, in a classroom, you know, I, I teach you, I know the answer. And like, okay, Peter. Um, or whether they're all gathered together kind of in a small group setting and like, I don't know, what do you think it is? I think it's, I think it's Christ. You say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Come on, Peter, you say it. And Peter's like, all right, I'm the, I'll, I'll say it. But whatever it is, Peter stands up in the midst of all the other disciples and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. That is who I am. What makes you, you, Jesus understood what made him, him, was that he was unique. That he was God wrapped up in human flesh. And that God had a plan for who he was. He goes on to say, you're right, that is who I am. And this is what's going to happen to the Son of Man. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He's going to be wrongly accused. He's going to be put to death on the cross. And in three days, he's going to rise again. And then Peter's like, no way. That is not the vision that I have of who you are. And, of course, Peter gets rebuked. Peter you know, says, you know, Satan, get behind me. And, and, you know, Peter's got to probably feel kind of bad right now because he was just kind of got patted on the back. Then gets kind of, well, you know. That's the situation where, you know, that's the context where Jesus says these words about following him. So now he speaks to the disciples there that were with him and, and really to anyone else that would listen, to those who were chasing after other gods, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, you have to give yourself up. You have to deny yourself, if you use an older translation, and follow me. And so here's a, maybe a better way to understand this translation. Now let's read this together. Same verse we just read, just a little bit change of the words so we can kind of understand what Jesus really is getting at. We read together. Those who want to follow me will have to give yourself up to God's plan, take up your cross, and do as I do. Those who want to follow me have to give yourself up to God's plan, to deny ourselves, to say no to ourselves, ultimately Jesus is saying we're going to say yes to God's plan for our lives. Yes to God's will in our lives, which we often pray, you know, when we gather together in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy will be done. To God, shape my will, shape my life according to your plans. And to take up the cross, 
And the cross, sometimes we think, you know, it means the sense of, of, of suffering. Um, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I've got some kind of burden that I have to bear. But more than that, the cross is a place where there is sacrifice. And, of course, Jesus is going to help us understand that this taking up our cross is his sacrifice, his service to the world in love. And do as I do. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, following Jesus, let's do three points really quick. Following Jesus, following Jesus starts with believing you are, what? Loved. You know, that is so important. One, because when Jesus is speaking these words in Caesarea Philippi, where people had all kinds of temples and monuments to other gods, they believed in order to be loved by that God, they had to do certain things. They had certain acts and rituals and things they had to perform to prove their love to the God and for that God to love them, maybe. But this is one thing that we hear in Scripture, one thing that hopefully in confirmation class that you've heard, hopefully one thing that we continue to hear and to celebrate here at Holy Savior. Every time we gather together, so we talk about gathering and growing and going. And it comes in these words of Jesus in John's gospel. These words may be familiar to you. Let's read these words from John 3.16 together. God loved the world this way. He gave his only son that everyone who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. God loved who? Yeah, yeah, but, but God loved who? But God loved, I want to pull like a Gary Tease kind of thing. God loved who? Me. I mean, how many of us know the song, Jesus loves me? This I know for the Bible tells me so. It, it starts, when we're going to follow Jesus, it starts with knowing that we are loved, that you are loved. That you are loved no matter what you have done, no matter, you know, what you have failed to do. No matter the circumstances of your life, God loves you. And so when we talk about following Jesus, it begins with knowing that we are loved, that you are loved by the God of the universe. You don't have to prove yourself to God. God has proved his love for you by giving his son Jesus on the cross. Following Jesus. Following Jesus begins with knowing that we are loved by the God of the universe. And then continually following Jesus means continually letting him lead. Letting him lead in our lives. Again, you know, we are to deny ourselves. We are to say no to ourselves. We are to let God lead in our lives. When Jesus talks about leading in our lives, he talks about it this way. And this is some words recorded in Matthew's gospel, these words of Jesus here. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. And the idea here is, is like an oxen. And if you know this passage, maybe you've heard this before, it's usually like an older ox that kind of knows what they're doing, and a younger ox. And Jesus is saying that, you know, I will lead you. You will, you know, I will guide you through life is that assurance as, as he leads us in life that his will for us, his plan for us, shapes who we are. His love shapes who we are so that we love others as we ourselves are loved by God, so that we treat others in the way that God has treated us, that we are generous in forgiving others as our God is generous in forgiving us. That when we take on his yoke, it means that we let him lead our lives continually. 
Following Jesus also means continually doing what he did. And what did Jesus do? Well, I mean, Jesus loved and forgave. Jesus, you know, offered ultimately his life on the cross. And we hear this in the words of the Great Commission, too, where he says, you know, that we are to, you know, go and baptize all people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, to hold on to, to keep, to follow everything I've commanded you. But I think about, you know, what it means to continually do what Jesus did. It goes back to kind of the beginning, and then it flows from there. So these words here from Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Let's read this together. Three slides here. God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It is not the result of anything you have done, so no one can brag about it. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ, Jesus to live lives filled with good works that Jesus has prepared for us to do. So what does it mean to let God lead in our lives, to follow Jesus? It begins with knowing we are loved. It begins with allowing him to lead in our lives and shaping our lives with what he did. And even those words that Paul writes there in Ephesians 2, it says again, We're not loved because of anything that we have done. We are loved because of what God has done for us in Jesus. And that faith that holds on to that love, that faith, that trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross, and there's resurrection from the grave, what that means for us. Whether we are who God has created us to be in Christ Jesus, you are who God has created you to be in Christ Jesus. And the good works we do are the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So what does that look like? So we're going to go to the next slide here. So we talk about, you know, what that means for us to gather and grow and go in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit would say, that's what we're all about, gathering, growing, and going. That, you know, we, we are following Jesus. We don't just follow Jesus when we're here at church on Sunday mornings. You know, or when mom and dad are looking, or the pastor's around, or whoever else we maybe feel obligated to show it. But following Jesus is something we do every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. Now, if we're honest, we also know that we are not perfect in following Jesus. That's why so often, as part of the time we gather together, we have this time called confession of sins. Because you know what part of that confessing of sins really is? It's saying, all right, Jesus, I promised that I would follow you. And for some of you, you are like, Sarah and Rusty, a few years ago. Some of you, a few decades ago. Some of you, many decades ago. <laughs> but you made that similar promise to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you every day, every moment of our life. And have you succeeded every day and every moment of your life? Have I succeeded every day and every moment of my life? No. But following Jesus begins with what? Knowing that you were loved by the God of the universe. And for the many times that we falter and fail to follow Jesus, to love as he is loved, to serve as he has served, to be generous in the way that he has been generous. When we are selfish and rebellious and do things our own way, our God continues to love us and invite us back to that relationship in love and to follow him. So we're going to be growing in Jesus and sharing his love. Growing in Jesus and sharing his love, you know, means we're going to follow him. And we're going to wrestle through what that following means for us 
in our lives and knowing that we are loved. So I give you a challenge as you go forth for our conferments, but not just our conferments, as for all of us. That's one reason we celebrate this together, because this is an opportunity for all of us to reaffirm that Jesus, I'm going to follow you. It's a question for us to wrestle through, to think on, to ponder. How will you give yourself to God's plan this week? Maybe there's one small area in your life, and you're like, God, if I'm honest, I have not given myself to you this week. Maybe I'm struggling, Lord, I should sow love, I should sow grace, I should be generous, I should serve, I should forgive. And I'm struggling to do that, but God, help me to follow your plan, to be generous, to be kind, to be merciful, to be a servant, to be forgiving, to love as you have loved me. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.